WTLA North Syracuse, WSGO Oswego, W249BC Mattydale, W261AC Oswego, WTKWHD2 Bridgeport, ESPN Radio. Can we review our status here, Cy? Let's look at this thing from a, uh, from a uh, standpoint of status. Can't go backwards. Can't go forward. What am I going to do? Hey, what happened? You have nothing better to do at 3 o'clock in the afternoon? Lisa, if you don't like your job, you don't strike. You just go in every day and do it really half-assed. That's the American way. This is a great day. A really great day. All across CNY, it's the 315 with Brian Higgins. Halfway home, here's what's happened so far. All right, here's what we've done. Uh, We've uh, talked about the Orange win last night against uh, Virginia Tech at the Dome. Likely the most complete performance we've seen thus far this season. And the, the continued onrush of Malik Brown into the consciousness, 70 minutes the last two games. Career highs, the 11 points, 12 rebounds. First career double-double last night uh, for Malik. We bemoaned the loss of the swag daddy Nick Monroe from the Orange football coaching staff on his way to Minnesota to be their co-defensive coordinator. And we just wrapped up a chat with a guy that was uh, on your televisions last night, Terrence Oglesby, helping call the game on the Yes Network here locally. With that, we are going to continue talking hoops as we head back to the line uh our next guest is on the field of 68 podcast he calls college basketball on fox he does many many things he is john fanta john uh, welcome in thanks for hopping on today it's great to be with you thanks so much for having me and i'm glad you were just coming off talking with t.o he's my guy we love talking hoops every single week and i can tell you he called me this morning he was excited about the potential of a lot of Syracuse's younger players. Yeah, I'd say uh, Terrence. Uh, Terrence got the right game, the right Syracuse game this season. If it was to be his first one to, to get properly excited about the young players, we we've been doing John a lot of hand wringing, but I, I think the the page turned a little bit last night to uh, excitement around here, which is which is fun to have at the be- beginning middle of January here. Absolutely, and I think that Syracuse has turned a page. And you think about it, in their last five games, here's the two losses. Home to Pitt, you would have liked to get that one. But Pittsburgh has played well enough to be in the NCAA tournament conversation. They'd, they'd be in if it was happening today. And then at Virginia, and you lose by seven. But I think with last night, to your point, to put up 82 on Virginia Tech, and it wasn't some crazy shooting night from three. They right. did hit eight three pointers, so they did it. They did it by more than just perimeter shooting, which we've talked about as a key for this team. Fifteen assists last night, six of which came from Jesse Edwards. I mean, you think about Edwards' line last night: thirteen points, nine rebounds, six assists in thirty-five minutes. He plays hard for them. And like you said, Malik Brown, I mean, I think that that totally unwraps a different dimension of the equation because if you're Jim Beheim, you've been looking for contributions from somebody off the bench just to give a different look, to throw a wrinkle at somebody. And Brown, as well as Justin Taylor. Justin Taylor goes for 10 points last night in 28 minutes. So the freshmen can perform. And Jim Beheim brought in a nice class, and they have steadily gotten better here for the Orange this season. And I think when you when you look at this team's schedule, Brian, home to Notre Dame Saturday, mm-hmm. another opportunity. But they get North Carolina and Duke both at home. They get Virginia still again. That's a home game. The, 
the point of the story is Syracuse has a window that is cracking open, and if this team keeps making progress, who knows what could happen. Yeah, and the Carolina game here uh, is coming up. Well, let's see. It's coming up in 12 days, so that, that's the 24th. Who knows if Baycott's going to be back by then uh, for them after he left the game against uh, Virginia the other night. The, the Miami game Monday on the road, obviously, is the, the toughest one here in the near future. Uh, which, which brings us this. You know, I asked Terrence this just now. I'll ask you the same thing, John, and it's a question I have been struggling to answer here uh, essentially for the entire season. In your mind at this second, I'm not talking long-term, I'm talking today, uh, who do you think the best team in the ACC is? Oh, my. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard question. Here's this, And I love that you asked it. And you know what? We, we might talk in two or three weeks, and the answer may change, so bear with me, listeners. Uh, uh-huh. I, I still think that on their best day, my vote's Virginia, by virtue of experience and the balance, and Kihei Clark, Reese Beekman, when, when knock on wood, everybody's healthy and good to go. Jake Gardner's a big-time shot maker. And Tony Bennett's team just defends. They, they, they always have. But I actually think what makes Virginia more dangerous this year is they really do have five guys that can score in double figures, and one of those guys could have 16 or 17 on a given night. So Virginia, to me, is still the best team in the ACC. Uh, here's the thing. Duke showed me something last night that I actually, Brian, didn't think they were capable of. So I want to credit Duke because I thought without Jeremy Roach, you'd go down by double figures at the half to a good pit team. I didn't know if Duke would be able to answer. But Cameron Indoor felt like Cameron Indoor again, and Duke really responded. And look, Virginia to me, if this makes sense, Virginia to me is the best team. The team, though, that I think, I don't think it's Carolina this time around because I think Brady Manning supplied so much for them. Mm-hmm. The team at the ACC that if the cards break the right way and if they get healthy, if Jeremy Roach is healthy, that could make the deep march run. It's John Shire's Duke team. It still is for me. They've showed me a lot here. They've got three quad one wins. They've got a 4-4 and record between quads 1 and 2, and they have no major blemishes in 3 and 4. So to me, when you look at their resume, and then you look at the talent, the length, Kyle Filipowski has been a top-three freshman in college basketball this season for my money. So I, I really I think Virginia's the best. I think the team that is best served, though, to if they get, if they get everything right for the March run, um, I, I'm going to actually go a little bit. It might come off as bold, but I don't think it is. I'm going to go with Duke because I think they're a defensively based team that just has a few things to figure out offensively. And I'm betting on Derek Whitehead getting better and better as the road goes on. Yeah, I'd say it's rare where you could say like Duke is the surprise team. Like that's not that would not have been a correct statement for you know decades, but it probably is this year because the, you know and Kyle Filipowski, man, he showed it last night. What do you have? Twenty eight and a huge comeback in the second oh. half. Uh, not that Syracuse fans are, are still sad about Filipowski in a, in a Duke uniform. Kind of came down to between those two schools, I think, for his services. But he is playing uh, outstanding right now. And, and then there's the ACC, John, in the, in the national picture. It, it does not feel like the strongest season for the league. I mean, it clearly isn't. Where do you think this league has a chance to go here in the next couple months? Is it hoping you put somebody in the mix to, to make a run, or uh, mm-hmm. do, you th- do you think they can strengthen their position at all here in the next few months? They really strengthened their position last March, and that is money time, and, and it goes without saying the ACC had a down year last season in the regular season. 
But we live in a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately world, Brian. It's just how things are. And the way that the Atlantic Coast Conference performed in the NCAA tournament was nothing short of impressive. I mean, Duke and Carolina produced one of the most-watched games we've ever seen in college basketball, and it's an ACC conference game at the Final Four. So at the end of the day, the league really built up its pedigree by doing that. So here's the thing, though. In my humble opinion, this league doesn't carry the same night-to-night fervor, energy, vibe that you see in some of the other leagues in the country. And honestly, you know, that's tough. Because it's, it's, college basketball is better when the ACC's rocking and humming and has, and has a bunch of top 25 teams. I'll tell you, I do think that, once again, you've got a couple of teams that are very equipped to make the March runs. What can the league do here to shore itself up in the next couple of weeks and months? Well, there's a couple of teams that I point to that how they end up performing is going to determine how many units how many tournament teams that the ACC gets? Now, you look at how the league has stood. I mean, how about Clemson? Who could have seen them coming? Right. At 14-3, and three, it's a great story. And in a year where Brad Brownell had to win, he's won. Uh, there's a couple of teams that are in interesting predicaments. The metrics really like NC State. They're top third net team. They've got to, they've got to do some things then to, to make the most of that. I do love Miami. I, I think Miami is a real dangerous team. We haven't brought them up. I think they had an off night against Georgia Tech. But, man, when you combine uh, Isaiah Wong and, and that backcourt, what they've been able to do, I really do think that Miami is a very dangerous team uh, come March. So, to me, now it's about unit accumulation, meaning how many teams do you get in the NCAA tournament. The, the teams I point to now, are Clemson, NC State, Pittsburgh, who's got some quality wins, but has lost two in a row, Wake Forest, and I think because of what we saw from them last night, I'll throw Syracuse in the mix because Syracuse has home opportunities at a very difficult place to play in college basketball and ignore the net today, folks. Look at how it's already jumped, Brian. Syracuse already took a 12-spot jump just by beating Virginia Tech. Right. If it went on Saturday, it's going to jump again. We have seen teams take 100-spot jumps in the metrics before. It's happened before. You've got to keep getting better. You've got to keep growing, and you've got to have – you've got to hold serve at home in this league. But I think for this conference, now it's going to be about can they get the five, the spits. They're in play. They're in play. Um, and, and if they can get six bids to the NCAA tournament, all things considered, where do you sign? But some of these teams that now are in the middle of the conference race got to be able to perform and not take the loss to a, a Florida State, who's a metrics killer, a Boston College, and even a Georgia Tech or a Louisville. I mean, God forbid, you, you can't. That's the problem. The ACC's bottom is very bad. It's very bad. Yeah, I mean, you look at Louisville, and my goodness, uh, what, oh my what, what can you even say about them? They're terrible. <laughs> but yeah, everyone got to play them, and, uh, and I'm quasi-certain of this. This is famous last words. I, I can't quite foresee them going 0-20 in the league, which means someone's going to lose to Louisville, and that's going to be a really, really bad night for whoever uh, loses to them this season. Uh, John Fanta is our guest right now. And John, you know what you said, it, the, the, the buzz around the ACC, the national buzz, which you know is always there. It's not quite there. 
you know, I, I did the post game show last night, drive home, pop on the TV, and there's Texas and, and, and TCU. That's two top 20 teams. And boy, you know, TCU had the huge lead. It went away. Texas had a great comeback in one. You're right. Buzz. Like that arena was rocking. It was a great game. What are you making of teams like that? Because, you know, just as I was ready to say, man, that Jamie Dixon, he's got TCU cooking here. All of a sudden, Texas, we know the kookiness they've gone through in the last month or so. Like, Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be something if, if all of this stuff can make a run in the tournament this year? Oh, it really would be. And I'll tell you what, Rodney Terry's making his case to hang on to the job. Mm-hmm. Lost in all this, lost in all this is a guy who was on Rick Barnes' staff when Texas was bringing in Kevin Durant and DJ Augustine and, and a bunch of really, really great players over the years. He was part of that. He was part of that, and he he's a Texas guy. And when you go through what they went through, to now be 7-1 in the last month, a month of hell off the court, and the players didn't sign up for this. No. And the players could have quit. The players could have quit, or the players could have allowed it to enter the fray, and then egos get in the way, and then you're not a team anymore. And you're going to the gauntlet of the best conference in college basketball, the Big 12. you got to get a, give a hat tip to those kids in Texas and Roddy Terry who inherited a, a, a brutal situation. I mean, the, the fact is Chris Beard had everything in his power. He had the whole world. He got to be Scrooge McDuck into the pot of gold every single morning when he got up to go to work, and he blew it up in about two hours of time. He did what you absolutely cannot do, an inexcusable action. And for Texas to go through that emotional low, the dropout that could have accompanied it on the floor, if you remember their first game without beer, the day that this all happened, they played Rice, and they beat Rice 87-81 to in an overtime game, a game that they could have lost. They won the game, and they've just pushed along ever since with toughness, Last night was revealing. I would say it's Texas's most telling win of the season. You're down 13 at the half to TCU. I love TCU. I think I would not want to see TCU on my March bracket. I think they're capable of a Sweet 16 Elite Eight type run. And Texas comes back from 13 down. They score 50 points on the Horn Frogs defense, a good defense, an experienced defense in the second half, and they win that game. Big time for Texas. And in the Big 12 Conference, there are multiple legit Final four caliber teams with Bill Self, Kansas Jayhawks at the top. Yeah. Kansas cooking his own, you know, Baylor, you're never going to rule out Baylor these days. And those two, uh, you're not going to find Syracuse fans rooting for TCU anytime soon because of Jamie Dixon. But, you know, that's that's neither here nor there. But they're a very good basketball team. And you're right, it, it is a, a, a very stacked league. All right, John, uh, last thing, a very important question for John Fanta. And our, our Q Sports doc. Dot com uh, chatters are wondering about this. I'll, I'll try to explain this best I can for our, our radio listeners, John. But we, we have a nice picture of you up on the screen for our viewers, and uh, we have decided to choose the one where you are wearing your blazer that is it is covered in like every Big East logo uh, that exists, which makes it uh, a very excellent picture to look at. Uh, wh- where the heck did you get uh, that piece of clothing? I, I can't imagine that's like, that's like an off-the-rack thing. I, I don't know where you're picking something like that up. So a couple of years ago, I, I still have it in my closet, obviously, but a couple of years ago, somebody claimed that they found like 10 of those at a New York flea market. Um, so whoever made them made a bunch of others and just dropped them off somewhere in the city, <laughs> if you look hard enough. But I, I believe it was a manufacturer in Japan, 
And the connection that a boss of mine had somehow with some apparel company, and they put those jackets together. And wouldn't you know it, right around Big East tournament time for a promo on FS1, I had the jacket sitting in the chair. I'm like, I've never, I'm never going to wear it. Like, you know, you're not just going to wear that jacket anytime <laughs> on camera. They said, they said, can you do a, a sponsorship come out of the commercial for the Big East tournament? I'm like, you know what? I'll do the sponsorship. But if we're going to do the sponsorship, we got to do it right. I'm putting this jacket on. And I'm going to wear it. So that, that's the origin of the story behind the jacket. And, man, it, it, that, that was a lot of fun to, to wear. And it's still hanging up in my closet. It absolutely is. And I break it out at least once at, uh, at Madison Square Garden. It's, it's on hand somewhere during Big East Tournament Week, which I know uh, that's near and dear in the hearts of, of the Orange faithful. I know how much they value the tournament at Madison Square Garden. Uh, that, that's I love that you know that that was you, it's like you got it from a guy from a guy who knew a guy in Japan. Like that's <laughs> like th- that is exactly the origin story that that jacket should have. It should not just be like John went to the store <laughs> and, and bought it. That's got to have some kooky backstory. All right, John, uh, good stuff as always. Uh, I'm sure the next time we chat, we're going to have completely different answers to who the best team in the ACC is. But uh, thanks so much for a few minutes. Brian, thank you for having me. Have a great day. All right, that is John Fanta. You can, you can wherever you feel like, you can uh, catch John on uh, Fox calling games, does a lot of stuff with the Big East, and he is all over Follow the Field of 68 on Twitter. You'll see John's face popping up on their podcasts uh, left and right. He was up there uh, just last night, So uh, and sometimes combines with our previous guest, Terrence Oglesby. So it's a, a beautiful triangle of things converging here today. We'll take a break. When we come back, uh, the the way past uh, 315 part of the 411 in the 315. Uh, Josh will be with us next. It's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.